Welcome back to the Laravel Podcast Season 3. Today we're going to be talking with Rake van der Herzen, something like that. He works with Spassi and they make packages and do all sorts of great things. Stay tuned, you'll learn more. All right, real quick note going into this episode. I just moved offices and I only noticed after moving that the movers bumped the gain knob on my audio. So it's not going to sound great. I apologize ahead of time. But don't blame Michael. It's not his fault. It's my fault. Sort of the movers, but mainly just me. All right, let's get on with the episode. All right, welcome back to the Laravel Podcast Season 3. This is a season where we learn about all sorts of amazing people. You may have heard of them before. You may not have heard of them before, but they're all absolutely incredible. And uh, if their name is not English, then I also mangle it terribly, and then they fix it up for me. Today, we're talking to, okay, Freak, Freak van der Hirten, something like that, who is a one of the leads. Yeah, oh no, I'm, you're going to do it for me in a second, and then you can grade me on how well I did. And you're also going to have to grade me on how well I do the, the, the name of your company, because I have been told that I say it wrong. Uh, so Spotsy, which apparently is close, but not quite right. Um, so that's a company. They make packages. They do open source Laravel stuff, all this kind of stuff. You've seen their open source packages. You've their packages. You've seen his blog. You've seen him on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. So the first thing that I'm going to ask him to do is first, say his name and his company's name right. Second, grade my pronunciation and see if he can make me do it any better. And third, ask the first question we always ask, which is when you meet people in the grocery store, how do you tell people what it is that you do? Okay, let me pronounce it uh, just right. My name is Freek van der Heften. Uh, I work for a company called Spazi. And I would grade your pronunciation like uh, 8 out of 10 or 9 out of 10. So it's pretty good. It's pretty Yay! Good. Pretty, all right. For an American, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good number. Yeah. So I'll take it. <laughs> So at the at the grocery store, if somebody uh, asks what I do, I simply say that uh, yeah, I make websites. I'm a I'm a programmer, so I try to make it really easy okay. because yeah, I'm mostly on on the backend stuff. And for people that are not into backend, yeah, that's all a little bit fuzzy. And with websites, they immediately yeah. know, oh yeah, he he creates those, yeah. And I, I always say I, I'm I'm not going to install printers. That's not my job. I, I program stuff. So that's that's perfect. Yeah, because if you say I work with computers, that leaves that open, right? Yeah. You might be a networking person or something like that. So, all right. Well, I can I can hear in your pronunciation a little bit of the ways that I'm off. So I'll go back, listen to this ten thousand times, and see <laughs> if I can get it right. But an eight out of ten or nine out of ten for a for a Southern American, I'm I'm going to take that as a win. Hey, it's so, pretty good, man. All right. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mentioned this real quick, but Spotsy, Spotsy, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, they have 10,000 packages. Some of our questions are going to be about all the Laravel packages you have, a little bit about your your tweeting and your sharing of content. But of course, mm-hmm. um, if anybody doesn't know who he is, just check him out. So I also don't know. I know that the, I, I asked you personally, and I know that the, the your Twitter, I know where your Twitter handle comes from, but not everybody else does. And I don't actually know how you pronounce it. So tell us your Twitter handle, where it came from, and how you actually say it in your mind. Well, my Twitter handle is uh, Freek Meuse. And it's actually Meuse. a very good uh, question where it comes from. Freek is, is just my uh, my first name. But I have actually three names. And that's not that uh, uncommon in Belgium. Uh, uh, most people have, have multiple first names. And mine are... Uh, Frederick, because yeah, Freak is just a, is a nickname, actually. Uh, my mm-hmm. second name is Georgette. And the, the third name, which is a very special name, I don't think anybody uh, uh, has it now, it's Murzeflus. And Murzeflus uh, is, a, is a name given, given by my parents 
um, and it's uh, it's an emperor. It's a Byzantine emperor because my mm-hmm. both my parents are uh, are lawyers. And yeah, when they had me, there was this law in Belgium that you had to pick uh, uh, the name of your child from this big list of uh, names that that uh, that were approved. And they want to see what the uh, what the city clerk would do if they just picked the name out of history that is not on that list. <laughs> so they they picked plus rebels. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And yeah, the, the clerk didn't say anything. It just just wrote it down so that night yeah. nice very cool and i've uh, it's funny because i've uh, also um passed it on to my kids so they're they also have like byzantine emperor names so i love it <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome it's funny because i when i first looked it up i was like oh merzephilus but it sounds a lot it sounds a lot more regal when you say Merzephilus. <laughs> yeah um all right so that's your twitter handle so go follow him on twitter if you don't know he's got a newsletter and a blog and one of the things that Freik does a lot is collect together the best stuff from other people. And so the Spotsy creates incredible number of packages. Quite a few of them are original content. But one of the things they also do is they take stuff that other people are doing and they package it up together in a normalized way. So if somebody says, here's a thing on Laracast or here's an idea or something like that, they will often make a package around it. And Freik both writes his own articles and the people at Spotsy write their own articles. And then they also collect together links to articles from other people around the community. So they're both creators and curators. And that's something that's kind of they're known for. So if you haven't seen them, go check out that stuff that they're doing. Okay, that's fun. Moving on. When did you first get access to a computer? In what context? And what was your interaction with that computer like? Oh, I, I uh, started using computers at a very early age. Uh, it was actually console. My, my dad bought... Um, uh, a Coleco Vision. I don't know if you know that console. It was very I've big. I've never heard it, of it before. It was very big in the 80s, I think around uh, 82 or 83. So I must have been mm-hmm. three or four when I had, when my dad had a, a console and he let me play on it. And that was the, the, the first time I, yeah, interacted with, with things on a, on a screen, you know. And, uh, so what kind of operating system was it on? Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a game console, so it's uh, it's only a, it, oh it, gaming console. Yeah, yeah. It, it only it only had Got games it. Uh, on it, and that was the first time I, I uh, interacted with something and saw something moving on a on a screen. Got now, it. Now, short, huh. shortly after that, I I think uh, two years after we got our first computer in the house, uh, which was I think uh, an an. Uh, um, it, it, it was definitely a Macintosh, and I think it was an SE model. Okay. It's one of one of the first models. So my dad was a yeah. little bit of a of a computer freak, uh, yeah, and he wanted, yeah, to buy the this new stuff. So I started out with like uh, System Six, I think it was on uh, on Mac OS, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, I started, uh, yeah, the, I, there was a program on there called. Uh, uh, maybe some people know it called Hypercard, which was uh, I've heard of it. Uh, it's 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 a very simple application, which which makes this very great. It's just like this stack of cards, which you can programmatically do stuff with it. You can say yeah, if somebody clicks here, go to card number three. If somebody clicks here, go to card number five. So I started doing, and if you uh, click here, play a sound or. Uh, display the, this image so i made my first <laughs> I, I don't know if i can call it computer programs but i i made my first projects with that like 
little yeah. little, little games like that, you know. Yeah. So that that was. It's funny how different Mac and Mac and PC are because I you know I I know about HyperCard. I saw it in school, but I never worked with it. But my first one was Basic, and it was probably around the same time period. I mean, I best I was six or something so i was around late late 80s early 90s yeah and it was such a different experience i was learning syntax and code and able to do almost nothing whereas with the mac it's giving you this like visual interactive system and it's like such a difference even back then of of what you're getting from each of them so yeah because at, at the school we we had a windows computer or or yeah a windows uh 3.1 computer but uh, mm-hmm. the, the the windows subsystem that was just a shell you had uh, also ms dos behind it and when i saw yeah. it i thought what is this i'm going back in time with something way better <laughs> yeah. at home you know you have this thing like a mouse on there so yep <laughs> so that, yeah that's so, interesting I... yeah so that uh, that was fun so i've i've always uh, been busy with uh, with computers and and creating my own little little things uh on it so did your interest kind of keep up through school did you always think of yourself as a computer person or yeah, I've, I I always knew. Yeah, I want to do something something with computers. You know, I uh, I studied IT as well. So I'm one, oh, okay. one of the lucky ones that at a very early age I knew I I want to do this. You know, but uh, uh, IT is is very big. So I did a lot of things mm-hmm. on my computer yeah. as well. Uh, um, at one point. I I, uh, I also did some some sound recording some some songs because that's another passion of mine. I'm also busy with music. I have my own band. Okay. And when, way you tell us more about that in a second. Yeah. So way before uh, Laravel uh, was there, when I still had time to do other stuff, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, I created music as well. But that that hobby is a little bit okay. on, on the background, right? On the background okay. right now. Yeah? You know what? I actually am going to pause there. What musical instruments do you play? And were you also, it sounds like you were also recording. Were you doing like mixing and mastering production and everything? It's just um, recording stuff and a little bit of mastering, but I'm not really good at it. You know, my uh, yeah, yeah. my um, musical taste is a little bit lo-fi. So what I record okay. was, was lo-fi as, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I started, my first instrument was, I think, the saxophone. When I was okay. when I was like uh, I think ten years old, I had to do that uh, from for my parents. Yeah, you have to do like like musical school, but I yeah, yeah. I didn't like it that much, you know. I think the first two years were okay, but then I wasn't interested in the saxophone anymore. I tried to pick up the mm-hmm. piano and did a, did a year of piano, and then I uh, learned guitar myself, and that's an instrument where I where I stick a little bit by. So. In all the bands okay. that are... do you play acoustic or electric more? Sorry, go ahead. It's uh, it's more more electric these days because uh, okay. yeah, I play in a band, and yeah, I have my electric guitar um, installed there, so uh, I do okay. I do that more. I do a little finger picking at home. I have an acoustic guitar here, but it's not as much as I uh, as I used to. What style of music do you play? Um, it's a style called um, called krautrock. I don't know if you know that. I don't. You're gonna have to send me the li- link later so I can put it in the show notes. Well, it's uh, it's like this. Um, it's my favorite kind of music. It's um, it's like uh, house music, like dance music, very repetitive, mm-hmm. but with guitars yeah. instead of uh, okay. instead of uh, electronic instruments. So uh, All right. some good bands that that you should check out. From the territory was like very big in the 1970s is our bands like 
Ken and 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 Noi, and they uh, okay. they the the ideas behind the, the, those bands revolve around uh, with how uh, uh, how do you say that in English? Um, how are can we keep things interesting with the the least amount of notes? You know, with with three notes, what we, yeah. can we do it just by repeating them? Will 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 make it interesting again? No, oh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that's like an aesthetic that that I really liked, like the the simple things, you know, the 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 functional things, not the, not too many um, whistles and bells with it, but just functional, uh-huh. pure, straight to the point. You no, know? it's funny because when you said repetitive, the first thing I thought of was jam bands, and a lot of jam bands are a lot of noise. Uh-huh. You got twenty people on stage, uh-huh. but they're very repetitive, and it, I, they're not interesting to me because you get the same. Everybody's playing the same noisy notes over and over and over and over again. Yeah. So it seems almost the opposite, at least in my very judgmental perspective, where you're trying to have very little noise but actually keep it interesting. So yeah, I'll send you some interesting pieces to you. I've um, yeah, I'll put I'll put it on the show notes, everybody. I've um, recently listened listened again to uh, a few versions of a piece called uh, In C. I don't know if, uh, if you know it. It's, it's mm-hmm. like um, a musical piece. I can't uh, remember the author right now. It's probably will go in my mind in a, in a few seconds. And it's like 18, 18 melodies of music. And uh, it's like 20 people playing them. And mm-hmm. the, there are a few rules around it. It's um, when somebody plays like the fourth tune, everybody still on the first tune should skip to the skip to the second. You know, there can yeah. only be a gap of, of two. And then you go slowly to the end with, and it lasts about like an hour. And it's 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 it are very simple melodies, but they interlock very, very well together. And uh, yeah. the, it's not written on paper how much how much times you have to repeat each each uh, each mel- melodic phrase? So every version is a little bit different, and that's that interesting. Was, that's interesting yeah. music to me. So you could theoretically have one musician who's just really antsy to move on, and the whole thing would be done in twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that, very that, interesting. That, that could be the case. Yeah, there are like there are... <laughs> everyone's glaring at that one guy. <laughs> there are like hundreds of versions of that, but they're they're all amazing. Very interesting. Huh. Okay. Uh, like I said, I'm going to get him to, to write all this down for us. Links in the show notes later. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm super interested to learn about that. So so you said you don't do as much music now. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Did I hear you right? Or? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So when I was a little bit, uh, little bit younger, I think uh, when I was like uh, around 20s, then I had, I, uh, I had a little studio in my, my own apartment. And yeah, I recorded lots of songs. Uh, that was my main hobby then. Now, nowadays it's it's programming, but then it was like yeah, every moment of free time that I have, I have to record stuff, I have to experiment yeah, yeah. Uh, with stuff, which is yeah. So I I've, I've, sometimes I I listen back to those recordings like uh, every every five years or something, and I'm still a little bit proud. Hey, that this is something that yeah. that I accomplished, you know. That's yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I spend that much time. I got that good, even if I couldn't do that right now. That's still something I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right. Well, I, w- I want to ask you more questions about that, but I also want to 
get to the to the end as well. So, all right. So you were when you first got into that, you said you you had access to those Windows computers in school. So yeah. what did your school education look like? At what point did you start getting more than just kind of typing lessons? I think when I was like uh, 14 or, or 15, there were there we had uh, lessons in thing in a thing called uh, Isola. I don't know if if that 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 is a, a well known program or not, but that, it's something we teach at school, at school, and it's basically like this this uh, grid, and there is a, a car in it, and there are certain obstacles, and you have to write an algorithm to let the car reach a special end spot, and then there. I want to do that now. <laughs> yeah. and it's like. Uh, yeah, something to to exercise things like loops, like memory, like and or not kind of stuff, and that that are the first yeah. the first things that uh, that I learned uh, to uh, to do. We also had a little bit of um, visual basic before I uh, went into into uh, into higher education. So we uh, yeah programmed uh, things like uh, things in in access where we access that's like this uh, Microsoft uh, database where we had to program the screens and special reports and stuff like that. And I only mm-hmm. got into uh, programming, um, into real programming, like with uh, with uh, computer languages in higher education, where I got uh, to learn uh, C++ and, uh, and, co- okay. and COBOL, and things, things like that. Yeah, I, I learned Now, were COBOL. you doing IT? <laughs> yeah. were, were, was it IT then, or were you specializing more in computer science? Uh, it was... It was um, I don't know how you say it in, in how you translate uh, that uh, the thing that I studied in English, but it's 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 focused on practical IT. It's uh, okay, but it was like in 1989 that I studied higher education, and yeah, internet wasn't this big like it is is now, and we didn't have any lessons on HTML or the web. It was all on this like enterprisey kind of uh, stuff. That we uh, that we had to learn like uh, like yeah like Java like like C plus plus things uh, things yeah, like yeah. that yeah. Huh. Um, so when you say secondary education, do you mean when you were eighteen years old or when you were fourteen years old? Uh, secondary education that's from twelve years old till eighteen years old. And when you oh got it okay. And when you're eighteen years old, you go to higher education. I saw saw okay. some people go to most most people so eat. So even in 12 to 18 years old, you were able to specialize because in the U.S. in 12 to 18, you just do whatever they tell you to do. There's no specialization or anything like that. Yeah, there are. So you were able to kind of focus on a certain track. Yeah, yeah. You can uh, okay. from from 12 years old, or I think from from 13, you can really pick your direction if you want to uh, yeah. do like a, a language kind of education, like a mathematical based education, like an IT kind of kind of education. So you can. Make a make a choice there a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And of, so when did you? Oh, go ahead. And of course, when you're 18, then you have yeah, m- much more choices, so then you can choose basically anything that you want. Uh, okay. So where did you go after secondary education then? So I did my um, secondary education in my hometown, which is uh, okay. uh, a small uh, town in the in the northern part of uh, of Belgium. But I always knew that, yeah, I, when, I, when I'm going for the, the higher education, I don't want to live at home anymore. I want to live, right. to live that myself. All my friends were in that yeah. mindset. No, when we're 18, we're going to move. And we're, 
we're going to get away from our parents, even though yeah, we all love our parents. It's not none of yep, it. Yep. Yeah, we're not we're now grown-ups. That's that, that, that's the thing. Exactly. So I moved to the the, the biggest city in the in the in the vicinity of my hometown, which is uh, which is a city called Antwerp. Okay. Where, yeah. Where I've lived for uh, for a long time, and uh, Spassi is still based there. And I went to school there, and I uh, yeah lived all my my uh, my student life in the uh, in the city of Antwerp. So okay, that's actually one of the only cities I know there. So that's a good win for me. I can act. I'm like I'm nodding. Like I've actually heard of that before. That's good. Go you, me. You should you should come to Antwerp. It's a beautiful city. You'll, oh, you'll I would love it. to. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. it's not that far I from Amsterdam. I said in the last podcast, I, I once once you get Americans over to Europe, we don't want to leave because it's so expensive to get over there. Yeah, which is why I was so crazy. I was there for Laravel Live UK for five days and then came home. But the next, I'm I'm trying to get my kids to the age where I can take them over because once I have the whole family over there, I'll just work from there. It doesn't matter. So I'm hoping someday in the next couple of years we'll get a whole month and just go see everybody in the whole Laravel world and just kind of stay in everybody's town for a couple of days. So Antwerp's on the list. Well, you're certainly welcome here. So do that. All right. <laughs> I won't get booed out of town. That's good. Um, okay, so you went out. Of, you went out. So, so what? What did you study? Was it continued practical IT, or was it something different when you went into uh, higher education? Yeah, that was that was practical practical IT that uh, that I studied. So that were the more yeah enterprises stuff things uh, that I uh, that I learned there. Yeah, the things like uh, like C plus plus, like uh, some some math uh, was uh, was still there. Like uh, things like uh, analysis. How how do you cope with a with a big 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 project? And mm-hmm. uh, looking looking back at it, I I really like I, what I what I was uh, teach there. But a, a lot of the things that I learned there after the years, I thought yeah, what they taught me was was a little bit wrong. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask how you how you reflected on your education. Yeah. So. Is there is there more you can say about that? Is there broad strokes you can make about what was good and what was bad? Yeah, so something that uh, that has, has really struck with me is in one of the first lessons I was taught, and I did that like for for years. It's like it's a very practical thing. A function can only have one return statement, and that 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 fucked my career up huh. so bad. You know? Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> Enlightenment came only only ten years after. Found, hey, we we can. Uh-huh. It's actually better to have early returns, but things like yeah, that, yeah. like uh, object calisthenics, I don't know uh, when when those ideas came, but they certainly weren't taught at school. So, yeah, I'm, I'm skipping ahead to ten years now, but uh, there, there there was a time that I thought, man, uh, I really wish that that there were a few teachers back then that knew about the stuff yeah. that I'm learning now because uh yeah yeah it is I, there there is much more than than the than the stuff that they taught me it, it, it's not all bad you know it's not all bad uh they they taught some some good stuff as well you know uh with with the things I I, I learned there I uh, I landed my first job which was yeah something I I didn't expect I was like a, a COBOL programmer for for seven years or something like that Okay. And yeah. I I still remember when I was at the at the job interview, and they asked me, "So what do you want to do?" And I said, "Yeah, like anything except COBOL." <laughs> and <laughs> and then they gave me COBOL, and I, and I I I I did it for like seven years, but it it was kind of fun to do it. It was uh, 
uh, I worked for a, a major bank. Maybe you know it. It's called uh, ING. I think you have. Or maybe still do. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, for sure. I, I think they're operating in America as well. And yeah, I was the, I uh, programmed uh, Cobalt there for the mainframe. So uh, okay, we wow. did we did like the, the financial stuff. So it was uh, it was kind of important what uh, what we did there. And I, I still yeah. I still look back very fondly to that period because I had very good colleagues there, and we could do amazing stuff even uh, with like uh, uh, an old language like Cobalt. We could uh, really do some. We, we really could uh, program some some nice solutions. And sometimes I miss the scale a little bit of uh, of programming yeah. in that way because yeah, that's like for like one fifth of the country as an account on on ING. Yeah, and yeah. and that's kind of fun to work on on yeah. such high scale um, things. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves just a bit, but uh, I asked this of um, JT as well programming COBOL and the programmers who've been in COBOL for years and the patterns and practices you have are a little different, I imagine, than working with Laravel. Yeah. Is there something, one or two things that you experienced or learned during your time there that you think that a lot of us who haven't had that sort of experience could benefit from hearing about? Any practices or any maxims or any sayings or, you know, testing patterns or anything that, you know, you experienced there that that you wish more people knew about? Let me think. One of the things that, that they already did at the time is, is, is testing a lot, but it was in, a, in an old way, so I can't recommend that. Okay. I think what, the, what, what sticks with me most from that time is, is not a technical programming thing that we did, but the team we did it with. With like communication between the team and we were, in, within the firm, we were one of the first group that uh, wrote like standards for ourselves. We are going to name var variables like this. We are indenting our code a little bit uh, like that. We're going to use prefixes mm -hmm. for that. We're going to use suffixes for that, which was really beneficial. And that's something yeah we do at, uh, at our company, I uh, at Spasi uh, now as well. And yeah, that's, that's something I think a lot of, People could learn a, a, a little bit from just uh, to um, to have some some guidelines and 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 uh, be very. Um, how do you say that in English? I can't uh, can't remember the word. Just do everything always the same. Uh, consistent, yeah. Consistent. Keep uh, keep consistent. You know things like yeah. using like a dash or an underscore when you case things. They seem like, hey, this this is not important, but it's actually very important when you when you work in a team. Yeah, and totally uh, agree. Yeah, and that's something yeah, yeah. I picked picked up uh, with working in a in a good team at uh, at the ING. Very cool. Um, all right, so you worked, you got a job at ING right out of uh, higher education, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what 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 made you move, and where'd you move to? Well, that's a good question. So when I was working at, uh, at ING for, for a couple of years, there were plans to, to split up the, uh, the branch I was working in. So I worked in like the insurance branch and ING sold it off to another company. So it became apparent it. that, uh, that our team had to, had to split and to move to uh, two different cities. And at the time, I, I didn't want to move cities, you know? 
So I went for an yeah. other job in uh, in uh, in Antwerp, another company that uh, that also does uh, does COBOL. But I was a little bit shell shocked there because uh, at IMG, because I worked there for so long, I had like this network of people, and I could get things done. You know, I didn't have to follow yep. the the uh, the rules. I could uh, cut some some red tape. But at that new company, I yep. didn't have a network, and it was so so very frustrating for me that I couldn't yeah. get any any things done. Now at the time, I uh, I also had a had a band with uh, a friend of mine called Willem, and Willem uh, he just started this uh, little company called uh, called Spasi. I was and... gonna say I've heard that name before. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he was um, doing everything by itself. Everything by himself. He uh, programmed a little. He designed uh, uh, a little. Uh, he did all the the client work uh, by himself. And it's, I'm sure it came up at uh, at a band rehearsal. Yeah. Well, I I, I really hate my job now. Uh, and then then he said, Yeah, don't you want to uh, program for the web? Because yeah, I I uh, will. will um, I felt that yeah. He, he couldn't do any everything by, by his own anymore. You know, he was good in design, but he didn't like programming as much. So he, he, he looked for somebody that uh, that wanted to program a little bit. But I wasn't certain at the time, so mm-hmm. I did a, a, a couple of stuff for Will first. But yeah, there, there's no way to sugarcoat this because I, I because I was so bored at my job, I started just creating websites at my job itself because. I had basically this is this is the honest truth. They didn't give me enough work, so they gave me uh-huh. an assignment. Yeah, this is your assignment for a week, and like after two hours, it was done. So I report that to management. Give give me more work. Yep. And they didn't give me more more work. So <laughs> I started yeah programming for the web and and learning uh, yeah. stuff for the web. And after a half a year or something, I said, yeah, this is this is silly. I'm just just working for yeah. myself at this job. So. Yeah, I'm just gonna quit, you know. And then, yep. yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I started working uh, for Spasi. What's your official role there right now? I'm, I guess, the lead developer there. Okay. Although I don't like like the term a little bit. That's that's what we tell uh, people that that we meet. You know, Frank is right. our Frank is our lead uh, lead developer. So I I still do a lot of uh, programming day to day myself. Mm-hmm. But I also yeah, help my colleagues getting things done. You know, yeah. I uh, I don't like the the thing about the leads uh, by, by with the term lead programmer. The, the the thing that I don't like is like this is the one that makes all the decisions and does all the cool stuff. But I don't see that yeah. as my role. I I have to help yeah. the other people getting their job uh, job done. So that's a, an important yeah. uh, factor of the things I'm doing day to day. And there's also a little bit, uh, yeah, leading the company a little bit because I'm a partner there. So there's a lot of uh, corporate stuff I need to need to do there as well. So, yeah, 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 yeah. But but the best days. How many are people the, aren't? The the best days are the are the days that I can program myself. So yeah, no, I totally feel you. <laughs> How many people are in your team? Uh, we're now with seven people. Okay. 
So the two of you, is it five programmers or are there any non-programmers on the team? Uh, there are now two, two non-programmers. Oh, actually, we're with eight. We, have, we, have a, we had a new hire like, uh, like two weeks ago. We're, we're with eight oh, now. Congrats. Uh, thanks. Uh, we're with uh, yeah, five, five programmers, uh, one designer, and, and, yeah, and the rest is, is, is project, uh, project manager. So they handle like, like client, uh, client stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. But but our heart is in in like like programming yeah bigger Laravel applications now, so yeah. we we started with like um, uh, smaller CMS kind of kind of sites, mm-hmm. but we move, we moved on a little bit to uh, to the to the bigger things. That that's also a story cool. in itself, really. Yeah. 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 Which I we I don't know if we're gonna have time for, but I'm actually very curious about that story. But I have to pause this one time. Is there a t- sound at the end of the name of your company or not? It, is it is it purely just spassy? Yeah. I, sometimes I hear a little T and sometimes I don't. So no, it's spassy. It's it's like your pronunciation for spassy is like ten out of ten. It's it's perfect. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> just okay. Spassy. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Spassy. Okay. See, I see. I, well, I was saying spassy for a while with a t- with like a tit. So that uh, okay. So spassy. Spassy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's perfect. Got it's it. Perfect. Now. All right. No, that's 10 out of 10. I, I got an 8 out of 10 my first time. You didn't even notice. So, okay. All right. So I do want to talk about your relationship with the company, what kind of stuff you all are doing, because I think that there's a lot of companies that do Laravel, and there's not a lot of companies that have uh, public presence that are creating a lot of content and stuff like that. And so I think what I want to know is, let's not even talk about the company yet. Let's talk about you. Mm-hmm. When did you go from being a programmer to a programmer who had garnered a reputation as someone who created packages and taught stuff. How intentional was it? What did that transition look like? I mean, what was fake being a programmer who did web stuff to mm-hmm. being fake being like a well-known teacher? What did those, what the shift between those look like? Well, it, it certainly wasn't intentional. I think like now six or seven years ago, we were still, the, the, this is the time before we did Laravel. We um, we were creating sites with like uh, Zen Framework One mm-hmm. CMS kind of sites, and I I remember getting a little bit bored with it because at the time the PHP world PHP world was uh, becoming a little bit stale. I thought this was this was also pre Composer. There were yeah. um, there was uh, another ecosystem that um, attracted my attention. And it's uh, really no surprise. That's that's Ruby, Ruby on Rails. Rails, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, a story I share with a lot of people in our community. I think so. I created yeah. a few a few rail sites, and I thought, yeah, we're ready to to jump ship of PHP. You know, PHP is done. Mm-hmm. But then Composer happened, and, and Laravel happened. So we uh, started uh, doing uh, doing Laravel sites. And in Zen Framework, we had we had this uh, whole uh, CMS, a uh, homegrown CMS uh, build up, and I wanted to have that in in Laravel. Now, I wanted to do it a piece at a time, and at the time there was this guy called uh, Jeffrey Way. He uh, started uh, Laracast, and yeah, this little a, site. <laughs> yeah, this little site, very small. And he put out a video how to uh, to use uh, Travis and uh, and GitHub together, and my mind was a little bit blown that you could just run your test and see in the interface of of GitHub if your tests were passing or not. 
And uh, the lesson of Jeffrey was also around uh, package development. And I thought, yeah, no, I want to do that as well. So I'm going to try to, to write a package. And I think uh, one of the first ones was, I, I think, the geocoder one, which is a wrap around uh, the geocoder service of, uh, of Google. And, or it was a browser shop, maybe, which, uh, is a, which was a package that used uh, Phantom uh, JS to create a screenshot of a, of, a, of a web page. And yeah, I put that out. And yeah, some people, some people liked it, which was like mind blowing to me. There, there's somebody here that did a pull request to fix a typo. Wow. This is right, this, right. This, this is this is really awesome, you know. Right. So I thought, yeah, I I, I have to to uh, uh, to write another package. And when I take uh, when I took a look again at the the, the Zend, uh, Zend framework one CMS, I saw yeah, there's there's Mailchimp in here, there's Google Analytics in here, there's uh, uh, something called the Media Library to to handle assets. And I thought, yeah, these are all packages. Maybe I should just program i should all package them up for for laravel so yeah i i it wasn't planned but i spent yeah the the, the next two or three years just just doing that putting uh, putting that just out repackaging yeah just yeah. just repackaging the old zen framework encode uh, zen framework one code to like uh, modern packages with all the stuff i i learned on on laracast now at the same mm -hmm. time I was still the only programmer at Spassing, so we were only a three-three-three-man um, company, and we had like uh, yeah an internal uh, platform. It was something Microsofty. I I can't remember the name. Where we put like interesting links on, and I was um, discovering so much interesting uh, good content on the internet, and I posted it there. But uh, my two colleagues, like the the project manager and the designer, was yeah we're not interested in like that deep programming stuff that that you're putting there no we're, we're interesting in the ideas but not in like the um the nitty-gritty details so then i thought hey i'll just start the blog and i'll just put those links just publicly on there you know this is the stuff mm -hmm. that interests me maybe other programmers are interested as well so and with that combination with like starting a blog and and um writing about those packages i i guess yeah, it, it picked up a little bit from there. People just liked the content uh, that was there, uh, both my my own stuff as the as the the, the links that uh, that I shared, and yeah, it only mm -hmm. grew grew from there. So, uh, but it, it it certainly wasn't 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 planned. Like uh, yeah, like we're we're going to be be well known uh, with this. That that was the plan from the get go. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed this initial commit on browser shot is May second, twenty fourteen. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, four four short years ago. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I did a lot cool. in the in the in the past past few years. Yeah, yeah, and I think that it really helps to have some kind of structure to work along. So the structure you're saying is, hey, you know what? I'm going to take this list of packages and I'm just going to work through them. And yeah. those sorts of structures that just give you something to work on next means you're never stuck asking the question of, oh no, what do I do next? You've always got something. You just got to make the time and put the effort in. So yeah, sure. And uh, nowadays, and uh, actually, the, the the couple of past years, the most packages uh, get born in client projects. So if there is a, mm -hmm. a client project that's like API heavy, 
then we create some packages to make API development a little bit uh, more more easy in uh, in Laravel. And I, I also want to mention because yeah, I'm all I'm I'm talking about me here a lot, but it it. Now it sounds like that I'm the only one creating packages, but my colleagues do a tremendous amount of work on uh, on that as well. It's I want to emphasize that the the open source efforts uh, are our team effort, so it's not me alone. Although I'm the, yeah. the most known one, uh, the my my colleagues uh, Brent, Alex, Sepp, uh, Willem do also incredible stuff out there. Yeah. And actually, that's one of the things I was going to ask because, you know, we're always figuring things out on Titan. I mean, we give everybody 20% time. So quite a bit of the work that's done at Titan is done on those Fridays, but not all of it. Sometimes people are doing stuff in their own personal time. And you and I have talked a little bit about in the past about kind of what that looks like for you all, especially because you put out just such a prolific number of packages as a company. Are you able to make that much time available or people doing work at night? And so you and I have talked about it, but again, Let's let's imagine we have not. <laughs> okay. What does it look like for you, and what does it look like for the other people in the team? I mean, how much of this this stuff are you doing during the day job, and how many hours are you and the other folks working in the evenings or even nights and weekends? I guess. Well, for the company, uh, we always uh, plan the stuff that we need to do on um, on the Monday. We all we, uh, we we sit together and we say, "Hey, you're doing this this week. You're doing that this week," and we always only plan four days. So mm-hmm. for the fifth day, you can do whatever you want, but that fifth day, that, that isn't uh, a separate day. You know, it's like the time in between. It's when you're bored with this project, yeah, go do something open source, write a blog post or, or write a package or, uh, or whatever. So we, uh, we have yeah, like one day a week for, for everybody uh, that can work on this, this open source stuff. Now, that's the theory. But yeah, in practice, yeah, packages get made in, in 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 project time a little as well because yeah, they're made for for that 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 project. Right. So it's a, it's it's a little bit yeah hazy where where to draw the line a little bit. Sure. And sure. I I know that I spent uh, a lot of time also open sourcing a little bit uh, after after the hours because uh, because I like it, and sometimes. Yeah. Colleagues, when they have like this good idea or a like, good vibe, I notice that they too do uh, stuff in the evening, uh, even though that's that's really not required to do. So it's really because they personally like yeah, just uh, they're excited like doing, about it. Yeah, like doing this. And yeah. I I think yeah, we've we've made so many packages now. It's it's really not s- such a big effort for us now to mm-hmm. to work on a package because yeah. We we know what are the the good things either the the basic guidelines are for for a good package. We know that that we have to have tests. We know that we have like need to have like good documentation. We know how how things like a service provider works. We can uh, we have empathy enough now uh, to imagine how people are going to to use our stuff. So because we've done a lot, it gets a little bit easier for us as well to to do too. So people sometimes ask, isn't that difficult to do, to invest so much knowledge and time in that? But I think for a company, it's, it's kind of easy because yeah, it's, it has grown a little bit in, in our DNA, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if in, in, in a project, uh, a colleague of mine comes to me, hey, Frick, should I package this up? Yeah, default answer is 
Yeah, if you if you yeah. can't do it, just do it. Just give, take a couple of uh, of hours, or if it's a bigger package, an hours of day, uh, 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 a couple of days extra, and just just do it because we will benefit from it anyways. You know, maybe yeah, yeah. May, maybe not because we are going to attract clients with it, but uh, the 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 programmer making the package will become a better programmer. Uh, for Spassi, it's good because we have something. Uh, in our in our package uh, package tool belt a little bit more. Uh, I always when somebody takes an effort of making the package, I make sure that I uh, mention the, the the principal author of that package, which is not mm-hmm. uh, always me. Also on things, so everybody benefits with this, you know. And I wish uh, more companies uh, would do would would do this, you know, because if if you if you take some time. To do this, it, it 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 isn't hard anymore. It just becomes part yeah. of your your workflow to do uh, to do this. It's interesting because at Titan, uh, we have a little bit of an inverse uh, culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say, "Oh, we should make a, p- a package out of that." I'm like, "Are you sure that you want to maintain that for the next four years? Because if you don't, then don't make a package out of it." <laughs> and yeah. I've actually talked people out of making packages. Uh, because I know that they they don't yet understand what the cost of being an open source author looks like. And it's not that I'm ever going to tell anybody no, but I am going to tell them, in, make sure that you know that the burden that comes on the moment people have this package in their, you know, in their three years out of date app and what, what kind of, you know, customer support, you know, you're asking. And so I'm actually talking people out of it frequently. And what I'm more likely doing is somebody says something interesting. I'm like, have you written a blog post about it? Have you written a blog post about it? And there are also, the, you know, quite a few people who are like, yeah, Matt, I just put it on the list of 40 blog posts you should tell me I'm supposed to write. You're going to have to start giving me more than one day a week to do these things. But no, I, I love I love your your attitude towards packages. And, and one of the things we've talked about in the past is that, you know, every we, we need all all kind, kinds of types. And, you know, like, for example, the, the packages we have at Titan, there's only, you know, a few of them. And we paint, we maintain them back to Laravel 5.1. Yeah. Um, you know, and and one of the things you've mentioned is you say, look, we we keep up to the most modern versions. And if you if somebody else wants to fork it and make an older version, then they're welcome to do so. Yeah. And so like each each group, each company, each author has like different things to contribute and to, to offer. And so I love the more people that are willing to make those packages, the more of a broad spectrum we have of people who are willing to participate in some way, shape or form. There might yeah. be some company or person who comes along and their their goal in life is to maintain all of Spotsy's packages back to Laravel 5.1 or something like that. Who knows? So each of yeah. us is kind of contributing a different thing to the community. So yeah, sure. Yeah, the the, the cost of being a maintainer is is um, is it, it's it's a high cost uh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, you're. Yeah. It, it's good that you make people aware of that. But for us, we we um, we carry the load as a, as a team. So everybody yeah, does yeah. a little bit of uh, of maintenance, and we have the pleasure of. Uh, of having a lot of people in the community helping us out as well. We have for every package there are yeah. a lot of contributors there. So yeah, I'm pretty happy where we where we stand right now. And I've I've also learned to sometimes just let it go, you know? Like uh yeah. two or two or three years ago I wanted to have like the the issue count as, as low as possible, the PR count as low as possible. And now I've learned you know that 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 really isn't important. Uh, you know, if if there are some some more fun stuff to do, just leave it open. I'm 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 not obliged in any way to to do this kind of work unless I'm very happy to to do it myself. You know. Yeah, for sure. And that that idea of yeah, you should be um, very happy with this kind of work. 
that, that's that's also where that idea comes from that we only do like the latest Laravel version. We do the latest uh, PHP uh, version because this is what we use on our own project, and this is mm-hmm. the, these are the versions we like working with. We, nobody on our team likes working with like the the older Laravel versions. I'm not saying working with with all the Laravel Laravel versions is is bad or something, but we take the most joy out of working with the uh, the latest stuff. So it makes sense for us only to do support for the latest stuff in our package as well. Unless it's very easy yeah. to support all the things that we do that as well. But and we're also not not afraid to just uh, abandon an old package if we just don't like it anymore. You know? mm-hmm. It's not like anybody's going to sue us. Yeah, it comes down to the question of what do you feel obligated to do? And I think there's often a perception, right or wrong, that once you put that code up out there, you're obligated to maintain it. And interestingly, I I see both sides of the issue because on the one hand, I I don't think that you you can you can be forced to do anything. And on the other hand, I can imagine somebody saying, "Well, I can't." Like we have a lot of clients who can't upgrade to the latest Laravel or the latest PHP because they're stuck on whatever Red Hat releases, and you know there's several versions behind, and they're saying. Man, I'd really like to use that new Spotsy package, but I can't. Or Spotsy, excuse me, Spotsy package, but I can't. <laughs> um, uh, but um, but at the same time, well, what's what's the inverse? Oh, you have to do something. No, nobody can force you to do anything. And so it's I have bounced back and forth a lot of times, and I think I think where I've ended up is just saying no. Nobody can be forced to do anything. Um, each person needs to be honest about what they're planning to do, and also the world needs to allow them to change what their plans are if they change what their plans are. And as long as you're not manipulating or tricking people, then you're an open source contributor who's putting work out there in the world and people can consume it. And if they're not happy with it, they can take the responsibility to fix it up. And if they're not willing to take that responsibility to fix it up, then it's kind of like, well, that's, you know, you're getting free stuff and, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth is an, an American saying there. So, yeah. Um, so I'm very sad because I have to go home to take care of my kids, but I, I can't leave just on that note because, as always, I ask people in Titan what questions they have for you. All I right. can't ask all of them because of my timeline, but I am going to at least ask you a few of them, So, mm-hmm. uh, especially the ones that are the most esoteric. Uh, number one, how many postcards do you get per month? We, we should get more. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's, about, it's, a, it's about like uh, between... 15 or 25 something something like and this, that and the, it's your your packages are postcard wear which means yeah. basically what you ask people to do is if if they use the package consider sending you a postcard from wherever they're from yeah. so i assume that most people don't feel the pressure to send you like 5000 postcards if they use your package but you probably should at least get one postcard from each user so listeners if you've ever used a spossy package somewhere consider going and buying a postcard from your locale and going sending it they've got a thing on their website about it, a link in the show notes uh, but it sounds like that number should be a little bit higher so let's all go chip in there to thank them thanks uh, the next the next random question i don't even know how to pronounce this so i'm just going to read the words in front of my face did romelu romelu lukaku deserve the golden boot yeah i think he does or or eden hazard Okay. That's our two two football players. If you if you don't know okay. that, uh, yeah, I have no idea at all. <laughs> <laughs> There's a well, lot of people Titan care about this, but I don't. So I'm I'm not that big into football, but uh, I did okay. uh, watch for the, like the, the the World Cup. That's that's when I'm interested in uh, in the Belgian team. And yeah. when uh, looking at the at the Belgian matches this time, I was really amazed what uh, what our player Eden Hazard uh, could okay. uh, could do. Did some amazing stuff. Uh, so. That's your answer. That's your okay. All right. Um, 
several people asked this, but I feel like you're not going to have this list ready. So if you don't have this list ready, just say I don't have this list ready. But several people asked, what packages have you made that have been adopted into the Laravel core? I think none. Oh, really? I, th okay. I think there, well, that's, there are... That's in that list. Ah, oh, wait, wait, wait. There are, uh, there are none in the dependencies, but there are a few that uh, were uh, totally, yeah, were absorbed into yeah. Laravel itself, like the... the I think migrate fresh is uh, is one of ours mm -hmm. that uh, that Taylor picked up on because uh, because we made it and I think uh, there's another one where if you uh, in Tinker uh, use a class name that it can uh, fetch the uh, fully qualified class name we packaged that oh, up cool. that was actually yeah that was a thing Caleb was doing, from, right? from, from, uh, from Caleb yeah very yeah, cool I, all right I, I didn't I didn't realize that got pulled in the core. Yeah, and that's uh, that's in the core now. If you uh, do open up a Tinker session and you do like uh, like uh, one of the classes there, then it it will uh, try to get a fully qualified uh, class. I, so it's, it's I like that. It's a, it's it's a joint Titan spacey effort. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Jose asks, which artisan commands do you use the most? Uh, I think Tinker uh, all day, mm -hmm. all day. I use Tinker. Interesting. I have this uh, this package. Called uh, uh, Laravel Tail, which is uh, which is mm -hmm. which can which can tail a log file. Yeah, that's uh, the one that was, was pulled out from old Laravel, right? Yeah, it was pulled out of Laravel. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, because it was uh, such a handy thing, and I use that yeah. all all day long. So, yeah, I love uh, it. I love tail, it. Tailing stuff, and yeah, various various make commands as well. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so no, nothing uh, too special there. Yeah. All right. One last one. Uh, Marge asks, what was your most interesting challenge as a new developer? I think getting to know the best practices and, and communities. Because it's it's so mm -hmm. easy to just program uh, a little thing, like a little PHP script. But how to do it well and how to structure it, it really well, that was really hard as a newcomer to find good sources yeah. of inf information. And for PHP, I know my way around. I, I, I know where I can find the good stuff and I, I know where the good people are. But if, if I want to get that feeling again, I know I can uh, try to do some Elixir stuff or maybe even some JavaScript stuff. And it's like, yeah, I'm a newcomer all over again. Yeah. You know, Here's It's the, the difference between again. the difference between knowing how to do the thing and the best way to do the thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally exactly. Hear that. Yeah. yeah. And it's That's it's co cool. it's it's comforting that in PHP I've I have the feeling that I can be happy with the, with the stuff that I with the stuff that I write. I, yeah. I'm always learning, of course, but it's difficult to have that in another language because you're so familiar and it feels so warm doing PHP. But yep. I have to force <laughs> myself a little bit to do some other stuff uh, as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, I hear that. Uh, well, as always, I can tell I could talk for hours on several of our subjects, but is there anything you wanted to cover that we haven't gotten to today? Um, if, if I can make a shameless plug. Please, go ahead. Uh, I launched my first uh, software as a service project like half a year ago. It's called Oh Dear. It's like the, the best uptime tool out there it can also detect mixed content when your certificates uh will will expire things like broken links you you will get notifications uh, from that it's something i i really proud of and you should definitely check it out it's at odear.app 
Yep. And we will link all this in the show notes. I will make sure that's all available there. The pricing for ODIR, I'm trying to remember which whether you did it based on the number. It's based on number of sites, right? It's based on number of sites and nothing else. Yeah. Yep. So your site could be massive. It could have tens of thousands of pages and you're not going to pay extra for it. So no. uh, yeah, definitely check it out. App. We'll put this all in the show notes. Um, and yeah, we're always down for the shameless plugs. You, you took your time to talk to us. So we got to give right. you some love. All right. Thanks, All right. So if somebody <laughs> wants to follow you, uh, where's the best way for them to go to do that? I think it's uh, Twitter is a good way. So my handle is fake Mercer. It will be in the show notes as well, I presume. Yep. Or yep. Uh, or my blog, Mercer.be, where I yeah, talk about the package developments that uh, my team and I are doing and where I link uh, articles of uh, amazing articles of, of other authors as well. So my blog and my Twitter account that are the best ways. Love it. Freik, thank you so much for everything you do for our community. Thank you for your time. I'm sorry I'm cutting us short because we keep going, but look forward to seeing you soon. And thank you so much for uh, joining us today. My pleasure, Matt. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye.